0: Thank you for listening to our podcast. We just wanted to share with you that on this episode, we had some sound issues with one of our microphones, which means some of the spoken parts will sound a bit distorted and there might be some volume irregularities. We know this is a very special and powerful episode and we want to conserve it as it is. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoy. Hello and
1: welcome to our podcast. Today is part two of our discussion about colorism.
0: Uh, we encourage you to look up our other episodes, and especially listening to the first part on this topic. Uh, you can find us on YouTube, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or Apple Podcasts.
2: And give us a five-star rating, definitely write comments below, and hope you enjoy this podcast.
1: Hello and welcome to our podcast, Just Us, as we seek to work towards healing and racial reconciliation, and this evening, we are going to have part two of exploring and trying to understand the issue of colorism. Uh, tonight, we have with us, of course, Pastor Hans, who um, has uh, been with the podcast from the very beginning. And then we have ketty who is um, going to share with us. Um, she is... Um, speak speak from the perspective of Pacific Islander. And then we have Ernesto, who is always with us, but he's usually behind the camera, but this time he's going to share. And so as we begin talking about colorism, I wonder, Hans, if you would revisit, because you gave a a definition last time, would you kind of summarize briefly that definition?
2: Right. So um, one of the things that we definitely want you to um, take away from is if you have missed the first episode or the first part to um, colorism, go back and um, watch that. But uh, to give you a brief definition, it is prejudice or discrimination against individuals with a dark skin tone, typically among people of the same ethnic or racial group. So that's the definition of colorism however it says dark skin tone but we have been seeing um also it being portrayed even in lighter skin tone as well so um both sides have the same kind of struggles in within family situations and more closed doors so thank you hans ketty
1: tell us a little bit about your background sure
3: um so my name is Kitty i'm um my mother's Tongan and my father is from Pekin Island, which is predominantly English and um, Tahitian descent. So um, he's white. Um, I grew up in a family and which was very blended. So I have my father's kids um, who were all white, um, and then my mother's kids who were full Tongan, and then myself and my three siblings that were mixed. Um, so growing up it was a challenge. For myself, and I felt it more so um, from the outside of our family. Um, And you know, and I'm talking about when I went into school um, or at church or even with the extended families. um, I actually didn't know that colorism, I mean, that you know, what I went through had a name until just recently, um, which was interesting and it made me um, think about just you know, a few trials that I went through and that I experienced um, growing up. I remember, and I guess this is one of the, um, I think one of the turning points for me was in high school, um, I I joined a um, Polynesian group, it was a Tongan cultural group, and back then we had the Polyfest, I think it still runs now, and it's a huge competition of all the different Pacific Island groups and the Māori groups coming together, and um, they showcase their own traditional dances, and it's a big competition. Um, and I remembered—I um, think I was only 15 or 14 at the time. I joined the Tongan group, and while sitting in one of the practices, um, you know, I heard the girls behind me speaking, saying, "What is she doing here? You know, she's not Tongan. Um, why is she here? She should be in the Maori group. You know, um, she doesn't love Tongan." And literally putting down um, my physical appearance wow. um, and I felt at that moment I felt outcasted and I think it, it um, opened my eyes up to see things differently so things that I would go, you know go through at church it now became a reality to me that I was different you know um, so that was my experience. You know, with my social peers at school. But go, going to church, on the other hand, we were known as the Balangi kids. So in English, Balangi basically means um, from heaven. Um, so, and that's what they would call the white man.
2: Wow.
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> um, and so going into church, though, we would be called, you know, that's the white kids. And every time you know, I'd go to church, I'd think that I had to try and go over and beyond. And I went to a traditional Tongan church um, back in New Zealand where I grew up. Um, and I always felt like I had to prove myself, I had to prove to others that I was Tongan. You know, which now thinking about it, you know, that little girl that had to go through that, that's that's rough. Mm-hmm. That's rough to, you know, have to go through proving yourself as a Tongan to, uh, you know, to your family, church family, but then also going to school and having to, um, you know, feel rejected from your own, but also from my father's side as well, which is the white side, you know, being told, well, you're not white, definitely not white. And Mm -hmm. my Tongan side saying, you're not Tongan, you don't look Tongan, you know. Um, Yeah, very uncomfortable. (laughs)
1: What was that like for you, Kenny?
3: Um, it, did, it did play a huge part in my mindset. I saw myself turning away from my Tongan roots um, because mm. I associated the culture, which is a beautiful culture, with um, separation, anxiety. Um, it just, it stressed me out. You
1: didn't feel like was, a safe place. No, it definitely didn't. I
3: always felt like I had to, you know, I had to go over and beyond to prove mm-hmm. my identity, you know, and who I was.
1: Mm-hmm. Wow. And growing, so growing up, um, that left you with a sense, because you talked about how the, Some of the siblings, well, you're not white, but some of the some other people, you're not Tongan. So that did that leave you with a sense sometimes of where do I fit in?
3: Oh yeah, definitely. Um, I never really felt like I belonged um, Mm -hmm. to any group really. Um, I I did I did feel like an outcast
1: Mm -hmm. growing up,
3: and um, and you hear it, you know, you hear it also in my later stage, or teenage stage, and early. Adults' ages, where um, you know, up to 10 people say, Well, she can't speak Tongan because she's her father's white, you know, and they were all based on assumptions just because my father was white, I obviously couldn't speak Tongan. Which for me growing up, I always felt like you know, I looked Tongan because I had dark, thick hair, you know, I had big eyes, I, I'm Tongan, but to um, you know, and it was mostly growing up in my teenage years, it was pointed out that. No, you don't look like the typical Tongan. You're not like us. You're different.
1: So your husband is Samoan. Yes. Does colorism affect other Pacific Island communities besides Tonkin? Do you, have you seen or observed it in other Pacific Island communities?
3: It, um, yeah, I'm going to say yes. Mm-hmm. Um, it does. It does. Um, I can only speak of my own personal right. Right. Um, but I definitely do know that it does exist in um, in the Pacific Islands. It, it's a huge thing, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, colorism. Okay. So um, I think I think the mindset is the, the lighter you are, mm-hmm. the smarter you are, the more beautiful you are. To mm-hmm. die, you know.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, I, I I can recall growing up um trying to sunbathe out the back of our backyard and my mom yelling at you know <laughs> coming through the house and yelling at us me and my sister telling us to get out of the sun you know you you're shouldn't get, be get in too the sun dark like that you're gonna get, get too, too dark, dark yeah you know and back then you know and even now being tanned and you know it's the healthy beautiful way to right, right. You know, so mm-hmm. it is it's it's confusing
1: yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah katie thank you for sharing that um Ernesto. you um, tell us a little about yourself and and what you've observed and experienced regarding colorism.
0: Uh, first of all, thank you for the invitation. Uh, I'm usually behind the stage back there on the computer. so thank you to everybody that listens. I'm usually the one checking on the stats and all that mm-hmm. stuff. but uh, really passionate about this topic because I've been learning about it and, and again, I never knew what it was called. I just I had seen it and I had experienced it in my community. And you grow kind of immune to it. You just hear it and you don't think it's a bad thing. But um, my background, I'm Mexican. I was born in Mexico and uh, I, I was brought here to the to the States when I was, I believe, two years old. And um, that's, a, that's a whole other story that, that I really love sharing about. But um, I grew up in East LA. Pretty much my entire life just grew up because that's where my parents had family and that's where they in a way settled, you know, as immigrants. And, um, yeah, growing up in East LA, we would always go to church and just have family reunions, but we would, we would hear things from our family members. And as we, as we became teenagers and, you know, you're part of the American culture and you listen to American music and you see American celebrities and being in East LA, you tend to listen to hip hop and that type of music. And, um, I'll never forget. Uh, you know, several of our family members were like, "Don't you ever dare uh, to my female cousins? Don't you dare uh, try to assimilate those people or marry someone mm. of dark skin, a mm. black person." Mm. There, and so we were always taught, like, y- you don't marry black; you marry into a white family. Mm. And uh, and it was and it's it's a it's a common theme. I mean, I speak with a lot of Hispanics, a lot of Mexicans. They're like it's a cultural thing. They say we came to America to better ourselves, but not just in a way of educating yourself and financially, but you better yourself by marrying into a white family. Um, so that was, that was, in, since you're little, it's kind of engraved into your, into your DNA, you know, mm-hmm. they, they carve it into your thoughts every day kind of thing. So that was, that was something we always saw and experienced. And as you grow up and again, living in East LA, it's, you, all I see was like brown people, you know, Mexicans, a lot of Hispanics, Salvadorians, Guatemalans, and that's the, the community you're in. But then it, it felt, I felt at home in a way. But then later on, I, you know, went on to college and that was a whole different world. Uh, there's, there was a lot more diversity and then you started seeing, uh, a little bit of, you know, privilege over the lighter skinned people. And it got to the point where you, you kind of start denying who you are and y- you want to hide it. And that was a that was thing for me, you know, I wanted to hide it. And I would, um, people would ask me, oh, where are you from? It's like, in my imagination, I was born in, in the U.S. So I'd be like, I'm, I'm American. They're like, no, but, but you're brown. Oh, yeah, my parents are Mexican. But I would always have a but. But my mom's grandfather was from Europe. He was from, uh, he was from Spain, oh. and they settled in Mexico. So scratch everything else. You know, you wanted to assimilate to, to the European man, and, and just you, you kind of want to grab on to that little string and be like, maybe this might save me. Again, okay. with that mentality, because that's what you're, you're taught. Was, you so, want to be accepted and fit you in. You wanted to be accepted because you were always taught like, oh, and that's something that we see a lot in our in our community. Uh, there is a word that that we use to which is really interesting. We use the word uh, we try to to degrade someone, you say no seas indio, which means don't be Indian or don't be native. Mm. Which mm. which is like how is that why do we use that to right. make someone feel less? And it was again because it was their they're you know, the darker skins, the more native features and stuff like that. So you're like, I don't want to assimilate with with someone that's native because that's bad. That's that's a bad word. You don't want to be called native. So you were always trying to, and it, it I mean, it happens a lot. You know, I, I still talk to a lot of people. I'm like, oh, what's your background? Oh, Mexican, but, that, that but always, uh, but so-and-so, or from European descent, or from Spain, and that kind of stuff. So that that was kind of the the world I grew up in, and and then eventually, with the years, I think it was 2020 when when I learned there was a word for it, mm-hmm. and I was like, wait, there's there's a word, and and it's becoming a a topic. And I think in Mexico, at least, it's been talked about a lot about. On the last episode, I know Nita talked about celebrities you know the the celebrities in mexico when you watch mexican television they're all light-skinned and and Mm -hmm. they bring actors from from spain and venezuela and uh they're bringing the light-skinned actors and actresses and they're depicted as the mexican family and then there's the service the people that work service the caretakers they're the brown, the brown skinned mm-hmm. people. So it's always, you know, they have the the less the lesser roles. They're not the professionals. They're not so it's uh it's it's pretty it's a pretty big deal in Mexico. Uh mm-hmm. it's a pretty big topic. It, I I learned about it because, because of a podcast. A podcast that was published in Mexico talking about, about colorism. And it was, I think it was titled uh Does My Brownness Bother You? Mm-hmm. And it it was talking about like why do people feel so bothered by someone that's brown or why do they feel bothered to be brown Mm -hmm. or, or have this beautiful tan skin? Mm -hmm. But um, that's, that's a little bit of kind of what I experienced, like I said, and what we were taught and what we saw on television. And again, always, you know, the, they were always pushing the, you know, they're saying now pushing the agenda, be lighter skin. Don't, don't go outside to the sun wear lighter colors because lighter colors make you look lighter mm-hmm. I, I remember that like i yeah. and i i'll never forget and during college i was like brown's my i hated the color brown mm. it's like i don't like to wear brown i don't mm-hmm. like to wear brown yeah. and now i think about it, i'm like it goes back to your taught like darker yeah. colors brown tones are are not good yeah. that's why you're taught so i was like always like let me wear the baby blues and like the yellows and and you're in California, so you want to wear those brighter summer colors. So it was, it was really interesting. Now, you know, I think back to those, you know, I kind of self-analyze myself. Mm-hmm. And like, mm-hmm. So, and it's, I mean, like I said, we see it in our family. But again, it's a really, in a way, taboo subject. We don't mm-hmm. really talk about it. Mm-hmm. And it, it's just engraved from generations and generations of, uh, I mean, the colonizers. Is the,
1: right. is the subject attached to shame do you think either In a, yeah. any of you do, do you think the yeah. subject because you mentioned is something we don't talk about usually when we don't talk about something it's attached to shame it's like if if my family were were uh, criminals or whatever i'm not going to tell that you know because it is attached to shame
2: i don't think is is attached to shame rather um it's attached to racism mm-hmm. um if if you understand uh, conquering, right, um, there's a difference between conquering and color, um, colonizing, right. If you could just conquer a country, conquer a land, um, that person, what or those group of people, they. Whatever they do, you benefit from it, mm-hmm. right? They conquer, it, but they could still keep their identity. They could still keep their beliefs, whatever it is. But um, financial means, the the, the wh- whomever conquers that receive the benefits. Now, color. Uh, now, colonization is. It goes beyond that. It's not only I'm gonna conquer this land, but I'm gonna make this land mine and whatever you have. Or whatever you used to, or you're used to is going to be wiped away and now you are going to take what I, I give you. So with being um, what you both were saying, it, it struck uh, the match because it makes sense. Like the, the perspective of being white is the goal. Right. Mm-hmm. I need to be European or I need to have this background so I could be successful or uh, continually um, go further in life. So that's what's wrong with colonization, because it wipes up your whole identity, your whole culture. And now you're you being European, um uh, uh westernized and and all of that other, uh, other stuff. So I don't think it's shame. It's just the 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 product of colonization and with colonization comes racism and with racism then comes colorism so that's how i see it and i wasn't
1: meaning that we should feel shame what i'm saying is when when we when it's something we don't talk about it's like it's often a subject that is awkward or we feel we feel discomfort now it's interesting hans what you said about colonization Mm -hmm. so you had european people going into like mexico for example and ruling that area or mm-hmm. south america so so colorism originally came from european white people mm-hmm. imposing that idea correct but then it kind of got transferred into the
2: community that idea that white that lighter is better right and and um, I I don't want to steal still, still the show, but uh, the reason too is because then the the women were being raped, right? So when the women become raped and they have the the babies of the master, quote unquote, right? They're gonna look they're gonna look mixed. They're gonna look like um, right. a lighter tone, or they're gonna have the blonde hair, whatever uh, feature right. the person had. And then they're going to be accepted into the home, and that's how it, w- it was with racism, right? Well, right. Um, slavery, right. Um, when the masters, quote unquote, uh, mm-hmm. rape the woman, and then they have a baby, and the, the baby is lighter tone, and the uh, is still a slave, but it gets mm-hmm. to work in the home rather than um, the the field, right? Right. So it's like the the and the darker people work on the field, and the lighter people work in right. the home. Right. So. It's still, the mom's still working in the field, but it's still the mom. So when, it, when they actually come together, it's like, well, this person's treated better because he's lighter. Yeah. So it all trickled down to the root of the issue, which was slavery, which was colonization, and it just goes down within the family. But, but it's like
1: hearing what Ernesto and Keddie said yeah. is that that idea somehow found itself into those cultures, where it wasn't just the colonizers saying white is better, but somehow that idea became into Tongan culture or Mexi- Pacific Island culture or Mexican culture, the idea that being lighter is better. Right. It, it, and I'm not blaming, makes, I'm right. just saying, I'm describing that was what the reality of what happened.
2: Right. It, it makes sense. Like if you have a child and you, you tell the child, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong, right. the child's going to be like, okay, this is wrong. Um, and the child's going to see that this, whatever dad said was wrong is wrong. Right. So if um, now bringing it back to color, colorism, if uh, in the beginning, the, the slave master is saying, well, light is better then the slaves are going to hear that Then I'm like, Oh, so light is better. So then they're going to say, well, this person is lighter. This person is darker. And even with the system and it becomes in the system, systematic racism. As I told you in the previous um, podcast, when you would have to need a bag, like they do the paper bag test. Paper bag. If you're, if you're lighter than the paper bag, you get the job. If you're darker, you don't. So They all infuse into the same thing. So, of course, it's going to trickle down within our communities to be like, okay, me being lighter is better. Me being darker is, you know, so.
0: Yeah, I know. I know in Mexican culture, it going back to the 1800s, probably it became a sense where people from uh, the more rural areas, you know, southern Mexico, they would come up to the city or bigger cities and they were indigenous people coming Mm -hmm. up to the cities and obviously they were probably more they were not educated they Mm -hmm. worked the fields they have Mm -hmm. less money and then they would come and see these lighter skinned people in the city with nice clothes driving the cars back then and um, having more money having the bigger house so it was like oh they started assimilating that so then that kind of transferred to them teaching their young Mm -hmm. hey you should you should strive for that. That should be your goal right. to be. If so, again, it, it wasn't directly the the Europeans saying like, "Oh, white is better," but it just it just trickled. It was the system that was set yeah. up. It was the system, up, right. and it just trickled. I can
3: definitely mm-hmm. agree with that. I think with the culture, with the missionaries coming through mm-hmm. from yeah England and and teaching them, you know, Christianity. Um, it then became a mind thing for, you know, the Tommy people. This is the new standard. This is how we should be because this is the, the right way. This is God's way.
0: Exactly. This is, you
3: know, um, so like I was saying you know, earlier, it's almost like it's a takeover of the mind, you know, and it's, um, I feel well, this is just my own opinion for my own people. Um, just like they was saying, it was more so something that they put into the, their own mind because it's what they saw from the man. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. they did come through and say, um, you should cover up now because, you know, you mm-hmm. see old photos of yeah. um, Pacific Island and the land all mm-hmm. bare-pricested and mm-hmm. someone had to come through and tell them, you need to cover up, this isn't right. Right. So, you know, a standard was put in there, um, into their mind and it became this is this is the only way in and
2: the, and the right way the right way right, exactly and i like if that's your natural like habit and then you, it, that's that's the that's the problem I guess. me um as you said like this isn't right it actually is right right but the the european the westernized said well this is too provocative or this is whatever the case might be and it made it wrong in their mind was because right. Why? Why is that, right? So that
1: became the standard. The
2: standard because of uh, a European person saying this is the standard. Right. And that's the problem. And the, it all goes back with the colonization and all. Like, I have a friend. Um, we're about, oh, I'm actually older than he is. Um, he's, uh, he's in a country, um, excuse me. I'm trying to remember what country he's from in Africa. But he was saying that they teach British history right? So he, he knows British history more than he knows his actual own, own history. Oh, wow. And that's the problem, right? And educate a young man, and he had to know the British history before he even knows his history. So that's, that's the problem with colonization, is they wipe out your history, they put their history in, and you don't know who you are. So... So for the person out there who maybe mm-hmm. has
1: never heard about colorism, and who says slavery was long ago, <laughs> and colonization, you know, was long ago. But what I'm hearing is the color colorism is very real today. Yeah,
3: yeah. So definitely not long ago. I mean, I'm a product of yeah, right. You know, I was born in the 80s, raised in the 90s, and and it was it was then that I felt it the most.
1: Right, only mm-hmm. because
3: my child self wasn't able to. Yeah wasn't you know strong enough to think against that and know right.
1: that this isn't right you know yeah um yeah because as a child we're trying to fit in we're trying to learn who we are that there's a growth of the of the human personality and we take our cues from the culture around us mm-hmm. and that is that is very very uh, significant um it's interesting. That's why we're doing two episodes on colorism, was as we dug into it, it came clear to us that this is a major issue.
0: Oh, yeah. Very real. Yeah. I think it's um, – I, I used to think of it – I used to think like, oh, there's no racism in Mexico because <laughs> we're, we're all Mexican. Right. We're all Mexican. Like in the U.S., right. there's diversity, different ethnic groups, yeah. different cultures. Yeah. I was like, but in Mexico, we're, we're all Mexican. But we have kind of like the, I don't know, like like the, the stepchild of racism, you know, colorism, exactly. which is, it, it just, it's been there for centuries. And it just, it has affected our society so much. And again, it, and then it migrates to other countries Correct. and then it gets brought here and then it affects our, mm-hmm. our small communities or, you know, we live in diverse mm-hmm. communities, but are within our Hispanic community, it gets affected and. On, and it's even here in the U S like I said, like I mentioned earlier, you're, you're taught like, Oh, you came to the U S to prosper, but not just financially, but also to, to marry, to marry up. You, you got to level up and part of leveling up is you got to, you got to marry lighter skin. So that's, uh, it's, it's, and there's, there's a lot of families that, you know, they haven't opened up their eyes to it. They don't know it's called colorism. Mm-hmm. They don't know what it is. And, and, it, and it's a, it's a thing. And, and it's very sad to see it, um, see it unfold in our communities.
1: And when you think in terms of that Jesus died for all of us, the blood of Jesus is there for all of us, and the scripture says in Christ there is neither Jew or Greek. In other words, ethnicity does not matter in the kingdom. And you think that human beings, any culture... They can marry and have children. Their, their genes, it's, it's, there's no difference, you know, genetically as mm-hmm. far as the, the, the ability to, to, to procreate together or whatever. So when you look at God's plan for the human race, you can see that colorism isn't part of his plan. Let me ask you this question, and I'd like to ask all three of you. What harm do you see colorism doing to human beings what do you think are the, the effects on people
2: um, I would say the harm is 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 beyond drastic because it, it comes to the point that people do not um, treat people as human beings everyone believes the same you know what I mean okay. The, uh, it's everyone breathes, they eat, they however the case might be, but with colorism, it, it puts you um you versus them kind of thing, and it's it's a it's a tool that divides and conquer, and the human race is just one race, the human race, right. right? We're humans, um, right? But colorism is like, well, you're white, I'm black, you this, you that, that, that's right. It separates it separates everyone and that's the issue
1: and it's not just white and black but it gives different um, levels or grades within the color, the different colors
3: so I mean it it is a sister of racism Mm -hmm.
2: yes, you said it right
3: you find yourself, I mean for myself you know I found myself at a place when I was in my teenage years feeling like I don't want to be Tongan you know, hmm. shutting out that whole culture wow. for those few years because of the experience I went through and the hate that I felt that I was getting from my own people. You know, it caused pain. It caused pain, um, anxiety. Mm-hmm. Walk into, and I belonged um back then. My mother um, was a very religious, and we attended a um, traditional Tamil church. And the anxiety I get, even just to go into Sabbath school and have to sit there and mm-hmm. um, read from the Tongan Bible out loud, you know, in front of others that were sitting there, and they were my own cousins, you know, and thinking, man, I'm so different. I'm an outcast. Yeah, identity yeah. issues. Oh yeah, yeah, that's huge.
1: For you, you were made to feel like an outcast for something that you had done nothing about. It wasn't. It wasn't like okay, I stole something and people were looked. Were, looked askew at it. It was the idea of colorism, which we're born with. Yeah, that's right. And so I have to think: Did it, as a young person, did did you grasp the unfairness of it, Ketty? I
3: got I, I got both ends of it. Hmm. So I had a sister that was um, a lot lighter than me. So in the eyes of everyone else, I was the darker one. Hmm. I was the naughtier kid because. And I wasn't, you know, I wasn't naughty at all, but because I was darker than her, yeah. I was obviously more mischief, mischievous <laughs> than
1: her. You could see that.
3: I could see that. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah, definitely. She was, you know, you could trust her with everything, but with me, it's, mm, I'm not too sure. Mm-hmm.
0: You
3: know? um, Ouch. And I wasn't, you know, and I didn't do anything for them to, you know, yeah. to have to keep that title, but, right. you know, it's just how if the cookie crumbles.
1: Right. <laughs> So you felt that the the net effect was that you felt um, diminished in their eyes. I mean, they they were the way they treated you on that basis.
3: Yeah. I felt less than her. Less
1: than. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, We have uh, my cousins and they, my uncle, they had a, their firstborn was a really light skin, quote unquote, beautiful white child. Hmm. And he was the the, the favorite, my grandma's favorite, uh, the uncles, everybody's favorite. And then they're like, hey, they're going to have another baby. And now it's a a baby girl. So they're like, oh, here comes another beautiful baby child. And here comes a beautiful brown girl. Mm -hmm. And it was just instant uh, Mm -hmm. kind of rejection in a way. Mm -hmm. And and it was always like, hey, when are you bringing... uh, baby boy home. It was never when are you bringing baby girl home? When is she going to come visit? And everybody wanted to babysit baby boy. And it was Hmm. and again it was that sense of like he quote unquote behaved better and she didn't. But that wasn't the case. It it Hmm. was they were both well behaved and then because of that uh, I do know my cousin she grew up resentful towards my family because she felt that rejection and Hmm. it I'll be honest. I think till this day she's really resentful with my grandparents and my family, and yeah. they, she felt that that rejection and uh, matter of fact that he was born here in the U.S. and she was born in Mexico, that that made it even worse because she was living here in the U.S. and she was undocumented, and and he was he was a beautiful white U.S. citizen mm-hmm. uh, that made the whole family proud, and he was like the family jewel and it it was really uh, i mean you could see the pictures of us as little kids and and there you you would see the the white little boy in the corner you know and we didn't know any better as as kids and we would right. all play and he didn't care but it was it was our, our elders telling us he's better and it was but then with time he he kind of felt that and he's like he's like i started feeling the pressure of like i have to be the better person in the family i have to be the one that kind of Leads my family out of Egypt in a way, kind of thing, you know. So, yeah. so it, it harmed both of it, the children. It, oh, it hurt. It really did. And he he loves the family and everything, but he just felt that pressure of uh, I have I have to better myself because I have, there's all these standards that are on me now. So it was really really interesting to, and we saw it in our family, and we just kind of watched from the outside because we weren't living it, but we we saw it, and it was. Yeah. And then we had, because of him, my other cousins who were also, you know, brown skin like myself. Uh, there was the era of, you know, the um, uh, like the the fake uh, contacts. Oh uh, yeah. Oh man, you go uh, and like you yeah. could go by like the the blue colors, ones and yeah. the, the hazel ones, and they wanted to have light color, colored eyes, and it was they they wanted to make our elders proud and and please them in that sense, which was really mm. sad now that i think about it and mm-hmm. but that was we didn't know why we just we mm-hmm. were kids mm-hmm. and it affected us as children mm-hmm.
1: so as you talk ernesto it sounds like this issue for you is very mm-hmm. personal oh yeah yeah very personal do, is would this would the, the term would this be too harsh a term to use as some, one of the the harms that colorism can do self loathing Mm-hmm. Is that too harsh a term to use, or that, do you think colorism sometimes contributes to a sense of self-loathing?
0: Yeah, no, I hundred percent, I agree. Yep.
1: Which, which, when you look at it from God's point of view, each person is precious to Him, and so that is, in a sense, it's an insult to the Creator. Mm-hmm. To, and and you know, as far as families go, my family has all kinds of issues mm-hmm. or whatever. And they were trying to do their best. I think sometimes there are blind spots people have. Mm-hmm. And and so when we talk about this, it's not because we're wanting to shame our families or, oh, no. Yeah. no, we love them. Oh, I love my
0: family. Yeah. But
1: it's the fact that we are wanting to say, you can't solve a problem unless you talk honestly about mm-hmm. it. Yeah. And we talk about, Okay, what does God want us to have? How does he want us to relate to each other? We talk about thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Okay, what is it going to be like in heaven? Is there going to be colorism in heaven? I don't think so. <laughs> um,
2: yeah. yeah, that's, um, wow. Yeah, um, I think definitely um, having a conversation within the family helps, yeah. right? Um, because they see the side And they could definitely change certain things or change how they act or change how they treat that person that may look lighter or may look darker. Now, with the grand scheme of things, um, where media is out there, where uh, the the politics are out there, where the laws are out there, it has to start with actually white people to change. Um, And once that happens, then the greater change happens because. We could fix our family, but yo, that's wrong. Uh, The reason why you're thinking this way because basically it's a slave person. Like, it's like your mind is mentally enslaved. uh, You know what I mean? Enslaved. But outside of that, like, we fix... Okay, so my home is fixed, but when I go outside, it's not fixed. So the grand scheme of things, like, white people have a duty to do to dismantle that because it's part of systems, it's part of so many countless of things like if um now we're starting to see models that actually looks like us represents us but back in the 90s and which 90s is not even that far or even to early 2000s like it was only a certain type of models or certain type of faces blonde hair blue eyes or just white or a certain type of body shapes so i think it's definitely starts within the home to fix our own thing but globally it starts you have that mantle and you need a white people have to like fix that part.
0: Yeah. You, you, you brought up something, the media and celebrities Mm -hmm. and all this thing. Uh, there was something that just happened recently and I guess Mexican media history. Um, there was the first indigenous woman to be nominated for an Academy Award and for an Oscar, for Mm -hmm. best picture the movie, um, Roma, which is, it's the story of a, of a, Lady, that's she's the service lady at a home back in the eighty. I think it's the eighties, seventies, eighties in Mexico with this European family, and she's the main the main uh, protagonist of the story. This movie, you know, was nominated for best picture in the Oscars. Sort of like, wow, you know, she's she's Mexican indigenous with these beautiful indigenous features, and uh, you would expect all of Mexico to be proud of her, but Hmm. she was too brown and she was too indigenous for the media and there was a lot of backlash and they were like they should have nominated someone else because how can you nominate this indigenous person that again going back to the she doesn't know anything they picked Mm -hmm. her up and they did i believe they picked her up off the streets and they're like would you want to be the actress for this and they coached her and everything and she did amazing she earned it right but people were like She's not even a professional actress. She oh, was picked wow. off the streets. And it was, mm-hmm. there was a lot of controversy in Mexico because, and this just happened, I believe, uh, it was 2018, 2017. And till this day, she's now she's become an advocate, and there's a lot of conversations of, and she's like, you know, we need to stop giving uh brown actors and actresses. There's another actor, um I just blanked out on his name. They're talking, he's like, you know, usually. They would give him always like the, the roles of the the criminal, the gangster, the mm-hmm. drug addict. Mm-hmm. He's like, I, I wanted to be a lead actor. I didn't want to be the, he's like, here's, he's like, I have a PhD and I've yeah. gone to all these amazing schools of acting, but he's like, I wasn't good enough. And mm-hmm. so they're doing, they're spearheading these conversations at a national level because they, they're both Oscar winning actors mm-hmm. and they're both indigenous. So they're leading that conversation. And, and it's, in a way, kind of helping, but again, there's always that, that pushback of if they're not. To-
1: so Hans mentioned mm-hmm. the idea of what can we do to, mm-hmm. to heal something mm-hmm. like colorism. And obviously, we can't control what the media does, what the fashion industry mm-hmm. does, but we can, within our own communities, we can affect change there and we can look for ways that we can deal with those things on a on a grander level but the starting point needs to be in our communities Mm -hmm. how do we treat each other um what are the spiritual issues of colorism one of them that comes to my mind is in luke 18 you remember the story jesus told the story of the pharisee and the tax collector And it starts in Luke 18. It says, to some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else. And wouldn't you say that colorism is the idea of, I'm better and I look down on other people. That's one of the the ingredients. The Pharisee, when he prayed, he prayed, I thank you that I'm not like other people or like this tax collector. So again, it was the idea... He was exalting himself and looking down on other people. But the tax collector, it said, he said, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. He was defining his himself based on who God said he was and not looking down on other people. So that's one of the spiritual principles I think when I think of colorism is the idea that in heaven's eyes we don't, get our value by looking down on others. We get our value, but who does God say we are? What is our identity in Christ? Any other thoughts of what the spiritual issues of colorism are? Because I think if we understand the spiritual issues, that will, I think, be a, a, be a path for us of how we can, in our lives, in our communities, do better. We can support the little girl like you Ketty, who, you know, maybe is treated that way, were there ever any other adults who who helped you with that or supported you? Uh,
3: No, because it was their normal, Mm. because this is a generational thing, right? isn't just a um, a my thing that I went through, they all went through it, so it was normal, and it even became, you know, something that I lived with and never really addressed because it was my normal. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the problems because it becomes a normal there's an underlying conversation that you, you 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 know you have with people without even thinking about the words you choose to say yeah yeah and in the church setting too yeah you know, um, we just got to be more mindful and educate ourselves with um, the difference the clear differences and to accept the clear differences you know yeah. Just because you have your way, it doesn't mean it's the right way. And just because right. I have my way, it doesn't mean it's the right. But it's our own way. It's our own stories. Yeah. So I think, you know, in a church, in a spiritual setting, um, accepting that this is real. Yeah. You know, accepting this is real.
1: Not being in denial.
3: Not being in denial. Speaking about it. Yeah. Just like we are now. Yeah. In, you know, conversations like this is healthy. We're naming it. We're naming it. You know, and... Um, I know I've had a moment while sitting here thinking, oh, man, uh, you know, I hope I'm not going to offend any of my family members. But I'm like, hold on, wait. <laughs> I was offended my whole life yeah. mm-hmm. because of this. Mm-hmm. I need to stand up for myself and mm-hmm. my cousins that I speak with that mm-hmm. went through it as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so you just speaking on it and naming it. Yeah. Shaming it. Right.
1: Yeah. right. That's really good, Katie.
0: And, and I think something that needs to be clarified is – at least from my perspective and from the other stories I've heard, colorism is not a I'm lighter than you, therefore I'm better than you Mm -hmm. kind of thing. It's not, it's usually our community or society bouncing that back. Okay. So that's kind of, I've had, again, when I was growing up in East LA, I went to school and one of of my best friends, she was a lighter skin, uh, female. And we were like really, really good friends. Um, Sometimes we'd walk home, but it was like, oh, but she's society and the community would be like, she's better because she's light skin, blonde hair, naturally Mexican beauty in a way. It wasn't her telling me like, oh, I'm, I'm, you know, light skin, so I'm I'm better than you. It usually is, it's usually never like that. It's, it usually comes from our communities because that's, so we see it and then therefore we grow up with it and then we have that filter in our heads saying like, oh yes, because my light skinned friend was treated better and now she's better in life. Now the generation after me is like, oh, I might have that filter too, where I look at somebody else in that way. So it's um it's 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 interesting. It's it usually never I've never seen it like that, where someone that's, you know, lighter skinned, Mexican or Hispanic, be like, oh I'm better than you or I'm smarter than you. But it was it's always it was always like our community, our society, so you know. the culture as a whole. The culture as a whole.
1: Which which takes me back to what you said earlier, Ketty. You talked about how um, colorism, in a sense, is what would you use, take over the mind or, or affecting the mind? Yeah, it's,
3: a, it's, um, it's like a colonizing of the mind. You know? <laughs> yeah. It, it changes and it yep. shifts your mindset mm-hmm. and yeah. gives you, you know, it's put a whole new area in your mind that doesn't belong there yeah. I was just actually thinking when Anissa was, was talking you know one way that I know that I could help with this is to make sure that I'm healed from it mm-hmm. there because you go hurt people right. hurt people that's right? true so, beautiful you know, beautiful even when um you know I can sit here and talk about it but unless I'm healed from it I'm gonna know that I'm gonna have in my mind that is a difference and how am I going to make sure that I'm not going to pass it down to my kids mm-hmm. you know it's, okay. um
1: that's important yeah. that is important what what would you say Ketty? now knowing you know you're a mom you you're a, a Christian woman a Christian leader if you could talk to ketty as a 12 year old girl experiencing this what would you tell her
3: I'll teach her about creation, God's love, being one. Mm-hmm. I would tell her to block her ears from mm-hmm. you know the voices that came from people that she loved. Mm-hmm. I'm telling her you know that um, you know she's either she's she's beautiful because she's fairer than the others, or mm-hmm. she's 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 a bad person because she's darker than her you know
1: mm-hmm. siblings mm-hmm. and. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, protector, protector is. Mm-hmm. one of the um, scriptures that really comes to my mind when we talk about this is I think a lot goes back to the to the garden of Eden and that encounter at the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and when the serpent said to Eve, you know you won't die, and if you eat this fruit, you'll be like yeah. God knowing good and evil in other words, you will elevate, you'll be better. If you do something, not only was it asking her to disobey God, but it was causing her to doubt her worthiness and her qualities as God's creation. You need to do something to be more than God created you to be. And I think that's part of the spirit of colorism is that, is to, that the idea that who I am, who God created me is not enough. Mm-hmm. I've got to do more. And uh, it's very sad um, that that is the case, but again, as we talk openly about it, and like you said, ketty as we look for healing, um, you know, I, I think as a as a white person, um, to be honest with you, I didn't know, probably probably before you and Mimi and I had that conversation, I didn't really know about this. So this is somewhat new to me. But I think it's important. And um, I do remember there was one time where somebody came to my house. And he was a young Hispanic man. And I heard kind of, you know how you hear things through the grapevine? I heard where his dad asked, do they know you're brown? Now for us, we welcomed him. We loved him. (laughs) You know, but in from his community, that was an issue was, was he going to be accepted? Um, and, uh, wow. Any last thoughts as we kind of wind this up? Any last thoughts any of you wants, wants to share?
0: I do want to share that I've seen a lot of generational healing in my generation. Uh, we are, it, it's taken me 30 years to accept my culture. And I am now, I think I've mentioned it to you, Bill, like I am now learning uh, who I am and kind of regaining um, that culture because for many years I, I pushed it out and I was like, I don't want to be known as the brown Mexican. You know, I, I, I live in America, I'm, I'm, this, I'm this person, but now I'm like, I've, and I, I've seen it a lot with other uh, young professionals, a, a lot of young adults, they're kind of reclaiming their culture. They're, they're really, they're out there and they want to learn the history of Mexico and they want to learn where they came from and learn about the colors and the textures and the textiles and the beauty of our indigenous, uh, roots. And I think it, I think it's very, it's very beautiful to see that, um, Mm -hmm. that they're, they're really claiming it and, and it's like, this is who I am and I'm not ashamed of it. And it's like, I'm no longer ashamed to be, um, Linked to the native community. If anything, I'm, I'm really glad to have native roots, in in a way, Native Americans. Yeah,
1: I'm one sixteenth Cherokee. Mm -hmm. So it's it's uh, my great grandmother was half Cherokee. Yeah. So as we come to an end of of this discussion, I feel a bit of heaviness. But this is this represents a lot of pain and a lot of harm that is caused. So, what I would like to do as we as we wind it down, I would like each one of us to say a one sentence prayer and ask God to do something. So, I'll go first, and then Ernesto, and then Ketty, and then um, Pastor Hans, and just a one sentence prayer of what we want God to do for our communities in this area. Lord, help us to see each other with your eyes and with your heart.
0: Lord, I ask you to help us see the beauty within ourselves, that you've made no mistakes in who we are, that we're all beautiful. Lord,
3: help us to renew our minds and to help us understand and accept our worthiness and your worthiness in us.
2: And God, um, help us uh, dismantle the system so we can redo it the right way so everyone could have equality and equity as well. Amen. Amen.
0: Amen.